Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is a new year, so how about a new you? That's right, how about some new clothes from Leon Tailoring? Something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made. No matter what it is that you're looking for, they can put it together for you at Leon Tailoring. Or maybe you have goals to lose some weight and the clothes don't fit as well as they used to. Well, Leon Tailoring can take care of that. Or maybe you gained a couple of pounds over the holiday season. Well, Leon Tailoring, they can take care of that too. Notice the pattern here, Leon Tailoring, they can sort of take care of everything. So swing on by Leon Tailoring, say hi to Larry, Kim, and Judy, and tell them Abdul Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, uh, go ahead, Senator Gray. Hey, well, all right. Just uh, thanks for being here. Obviously a fun night. Uh, Governor's uh, uh, final State of the State address. Appreciate the uh, spirit in which he uh, presents it. A lot of energy and, a, frankly, a great story to tell for the state of Indiana. Uh, look forward to working with the governor on his new initiatives. And uh, I think this, the House has already rolled out some of their initiatives. We'll be doing that um, on Thursday as well. So uh, excited about this next legislative session and doing some good things for the state of Indiana, in particular on things like uh, reading. The governor highlighted that tonight. I know it's a really big priority of his, and it's going to be a priority of ours as well. And uh, uh, child care, obviously, is another challenge that the state has right now that the governor's putting like, a lot of energy into as, as well as we are. So look forward to working with him on those things. We feel pretty well. Um, uh, we've had lots of communication between his office and ours and, uh, and the speaker as well. And uh, looking forward to a productive session on those items. I'd just say thank you, Senator Bray. And, and I mentioned yesterday, I thought, really terrific alignment between the administration, the governor, and, and uh, the Senate and the House. And, uh, you know, we'll work through some details in this, but uh, governor did a terrific job, set the right tone. I thought highlighted uh, all the terrific things taking place all across Indiana. And uh, share with Hoosiers, uh, there's a lot to be proud of. Was there anything that the governor didn't mention that you wish he had mentioned or maybe sort of spend more time on in the speech tonight? I don't have anything. I think it was about 25 minutes, right? A little, a little shorter than some, but uh, uh, again, told it, told it, told a good story and uh, said a said a, uh, uh, a story about how well the state of Indiana is doing, the opportunities that we have going forward. I think that probably the highlight, uh, from my perspective, is you know we look at the economic development we've enjoyed across the uh, the last several years, and in, in the last two years, over 50 billion dollars of investment is a, is a great story. Happy he focused on that, and um, so. I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback his speech. I think it was a good one. Obviously, the, the news, if you will, of the speech was the Lilly Endowment money for to, to supplement Ready 2.0. Democrats just brought up a point about the fact that that program and now this Lilly money will be routed through the IEDC. And there have been some questions over the last several months about transparency with that particular public-private agency. Are you concerned at all about, as we go into the Ready 2.0 awards now with an extra $250 million from earlier, are you worried about taxpayers knowing exactly where all those dollars are going to go? No. I mean, I think, you know, with what happened, first of all, tremendous news. Uh, excited for the governor to share it. Uh, terrific alignment and partnership uh, around Ready. Look. As the governor outlined today, I mean, the, the first 500 are ready is out. You can see exactly where the projects are. There's detailed reporting about it, community by community, county by county. And uh, uh, it truly is a success story. I mean, you turn 500 million into 12, over $12 billion worth of investment. The details are out there. I, you know, the same will be done with this 500 plus, now 250, so 750 million. Uh, and, and look forward to next year for the next couple of years, having the opportunity to, to share the new numbers. 
Democrats pointed out that a lot of the broadband investments, for example, the governor was touting were federally funded through the Biden administration. Are Republicans taking a little too much credit here for stuff that Democrats were pushing at the national level? Well, so, you know, we had uh, a couple budgets ago, $100 million for broadband. This last budget, not 23, but the one before that, $250 million. And we put together, I think, uh, um, uh, over some trial and error, a pretty effective way for uh, uh, areas to uh, get service of uh, high-speed uh, broadband internet service. And uh, uh, we're grateful, frankly, to have some federal dollars to use, in fact, an awful lot of them. But we're going to use the same format or the same process a very similar process in order to, to make that happen, and we're going to take advantage of those federal dollars so that we can uh, um, get get broadband, high-speed internet to folks all across the state of Indiana who don't have it today. Yeah, I, I want to be fair. I don't know the exact numbers. I know in 2019, maybe before, I'm sure the federal government's funded broadband before that. I don't want to suggest otherwise. But I know that was in 2019, so that's three budgets ago, was the first time we made a significant investment in, in broadband. Look, this is, we'd be, you know, it, it, this is a federal and state partnership. We've held up our end of the bargain. We appreciate the federal resources to do it. Uh, the connectivity issue is something that means a lot to, to members of, I know, my caucus. And, and uh, we, we appreciate the, the state and federal partnership to hopefully, uh, you know, get as many Hoosiers access to high-speed internet, high, Hoosiers access high-speed internet as possible. Certainly a step forward. I mean, we, we need workers in, those, in that space, and uh, so the, the, you'll see us work on a bill that, talk, that that lowers that age and talks about the ratios of uh, based on the age of the children who can who can watch those kids. And we want to make sure that uh, that we have workers to work in that space. You know, if you, you you talk about increasing wages, which is always a great thing, but keep in mind that one of the biggest challenges we have with childcare is the cost of childcare. So if you raise the wages for those employees you're going to raise the cost of childcare unless it's just fully subsidized by the state government. And as I've said on a number of occasions, we don't intend to be in the, simply in the childcare business. We want to help in that space in every way because it's keeping people out of the workforce. But um, uh, we'll, we'll try and do as many things as we can this year to, uh, to improve that space. So you're not going to see anything that we roll out uh, that's going to talk about uh, uh, retention as the the uh, element to make this better. We're, we're going to add a lot of um, assistance to our uh, young kids, first grade, second grade, third grade, so that they get all the help they need and all the remediation they need in second grade. Hopefully we'll have people that are taking the uh, I-read in second grade and see where they are. And if they are looking like they're behind, then uh, they get summer reading, uh, summer help through between second and third grade. Same thing in third grade, uh, additional remediation, and even after third grade in that next summer. So there are lots of things we're gonna try and do to make sure kids get to that level of reading that they need. 
And then, after we've done all that at the end of the day, if, it's, if, it, if they're still not there, we think it's, it's uh, not appropriate to pass them on because um, uh, while that is a challenge for a third grader at the time, if they don't get passed on, if you, um, uh, as I think I heard the speaker say one time, if you're sitting in sixth grade and you realize everybody around you is reading instructions on this homework assignment or this test and you can't do it, how challenging would that be? We don't want to put kids in that, in that uh, space. But you will see... Lots of things happen before we ever get to the point of trying to retain those kids until we can get they can get all the help they need. Yeah, and I would I would I just want to add to that. So I, I think the argument that, that that somehow this is problematic for the school is ridiculous. Because I think this is about the kid. I think it's about preparing a kid for success. Couldn't agree more with Senator Bray. The, the whole goal of this is not to retain a single student. Uh, you know, I, we talk about students in school for 720 instructional days, 4,320 a minimum instructional hours before they get to third grade, then to third grade. We should set an expectation among families, students, communities that a child can learn to read them. And if you, if somebody wants to make the argument that that isn't possible, I want them to point to the child and say that kid. It's okay if that kid can't read in the third grade, and we're going to pass them along. And we know what the societal outcomes are, the challenges that child is going to face long term. But that's okay because it's going to be an inconvenience for how we might staff a school or what, the, what how a school might be impacted. So, I mean, I, I look forward to those arguments, if that's the argument that's going to be used, because we're going to keep our focus on what's in the best interest of the student. And, and how we make sure that student, while maybe having difficult conversations when they're young, prepares them for success when they're older. Senator Taylor of the Democrats said one of the big missing talking points from that speech was not mentioning cannabis. Is it finally the time this year, next year, that Republican circles start talking about uh, allowing cannabis medicinally or recreationally? Well, I don't know. It should finally the time. We've had bills on that for several years in the past and about three study committees on it already. Uh, do you think, are, are we going to uh, legalize cannabis this session? No, that's, uh, that's not going to be the case. But we're continuing to look at that. We've got several bills that, that we'll get some conversation this year that uh, were filed in the Senate. I suppose there might be some in the House as well. One of the things, uh, this goes to education workforce development. Uh, all the new high-tech, high-wage, high-paying jobs that are coming a lot of Hoosiers aren't necessarily qualified for them because they just don't have the post-secondary high school education to get those jobs. So what's going to be done to sort of address that issue? It seems to be cigarette in it for, for quite a while. Well, first of all, I'm a lot more confident that those jobs will be uh, uh, done by Hoosiers than, than I think Senator Taylor is. Uh, uh, look, this is why we passed House Bill 1002 last year while we're doing House Bill 1001. We have to continue to build a workforce. That's why the Senate, why uh, Governor Holcomb outlined, you know, uh, again, another effort to make sure people are aware of all the programs. You know, we've got, we've got terrific programs happening all across the state uh, where we're skilling up workers. It's the flexibility that needs to make sure we're meeting. And, and our programs are employer-led employer-led to make sure that the employer is helping the person get the skills they need to be successful in that job. So, Abdul, I think this is like, this is a huge opportunity for us. I think we have a, this is, this is something that can differentiate Indiana. It's been fun, frankly, to talk to companies and hear them come in and say, look, we love what you're doing. We love how you're approaching these things. And we, we're making these commitments 
because we're confident you're going to give us the workforce that we need. They're not making these commitments without confidence they're going to have the people they need with the skills they need to be able to do the jobs that they're going to bring here. On the topic of access to those jobs and the training that goes along with them, the governor talked about the, the capital investment that uh, a significant portion of it the last two years went to rural and mixed rural counties. As the two leaders of the caucuses who almost exclusively represent rural Hoosiers, do you feel like rural Indiana is feeling the benefit of all this investment and all of these programs and all these jobs? Uh, I will say yes, and and, and uh, look, I think the, we we can talk about the commitment that's been made by by these large. Is the uh, governor high, highlighted today uh, the Stellantis deals or and, and the deals along along uh, thirty one in Kokomo and in New Carlisle? But what people also forget is all the supply chain that comes off that. Sometimes three to four x the amount that, that it was committed to because these employers, these companies want their supply chain nearby. Those are gonna disproportionately end up in our local communities. Look, we are excited about what's taking place in rural Indiana. You can point, as the governor noted today, to a large number of rural uh, communities that, that are seeing the benefits of all this. And uh, I think it's just gonna continue to grow. I think, you know, it's why Last year, we had a very strategic plan about housing, because I think that's, you know, we're rolling out the grants for House Bill 1005 uh, this month that include housing. The governor knows the $4 billion in, in housing that's part of Ready. So I think, you know, I think we're super excited what's taking place in rural Indiana. I would agree. All right. On the one, one hand, just real quick here. On the one hand, it seems like talk for a long time. Now you just keep going. I went to Illinois, so. On the one hand, you have uh, liberals and regrets saying the governor has spent enough money. You have conservatives, more, more ideological conservatives saying the governor, you guys are spending too much money. You think you're getting the job right? Well, if, if everybody's a little unhappy, probably. But I'd say this. I think what the governor said today was we made a lot of investments, but I'd also note he talked about we continue to cut taxes and return money back to people. So, you know, there's an appropriate balance. We work to find that. We work really hard to try and find that balance. I feel comfortable with it. Yeah, as do I. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thanks you very much. Good night. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.